0: We'll see this again when we get to Acts chapter 10 and the life of Cornelius. Because Cornelius was known as a devout man, a righteous man. He gave alms and he honored the Lord's people. He may have even been a Jewish convert himself. But he didn't know the end of the story, which was that Jesus was risen. And when Peter came in and told Cornelius that Jesus was the Christ and that he rose again from the dead, Cornelius fell on his knees before God and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, because of that, I now know that God is not a respecter of persons. Read on from verse 18 to 24 to start out. And when Simon saw that through the laying on, hand, uh, laying on hands of uh, laying on hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, "Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost." But Peter said unto him, "Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part." Um, nor lot in this matter For thy heart is not right in the sight of God Repent therefore of this thy wickedness And pray to God If perhaps the thought of thine heart May be forgiven thee For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness And in the bond of iniquity Then answered Simon And said pray ye the Lord for me That none of these things Which thou hast spoken have come unto me Will come unto me Let's open a Word of Prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you would give clarity and and good thought processes to this morning, and that you would overcome the technical difficulties. And just I thank you for the opportunity um, to be here today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so, I've titled this message basically "Responses to the Gospel" because. Um, we're going to see today a contrast between the response of Simon and the response of the Ethiopian unit. Now, there are some interesting, uh, interesting uh, teachings on this passage because some would say that Simon was a young believer, and then I read this morning that he, he was, by church tradition, became a, a well-known and cantankerous false teacher to the early church. And so, um, but I, I, I used to think that he was just a young believer who, who didn't know whereof he spoke. Um, but then I realized, when you look at this passage, how much it is con- the two are contrasted. The Ethiopian eunuch and Simon. Before this passage, um, we we see Simon had accepted the Lord at least to a certain degree um, before this happens, and and then he sees Peter and John laying um, their hands on the whole on the people, the Samaritans specifically, and give and getting the Holy Spirit so Simon um, he had a, had a history of using witchcraft to show um, power to have to exercise power over the people and so in his naive understanding of Christianity and the Holy Spirit this is what he wanted to do in this case. And, um, you know, Jesus had a way of knowing um, exactly where where people were in their spirits. There are passages in the New Testament that talk about how Jesus had no need for anyone to tell him um, what was in the heart of man. Because he knew what was in the heart of man. And so Peter, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is given this power to see what is in Simon's heart and he says this he says I perceive thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity and I think it's so important to think about this because bitterness is an important thing that um happens to us you know we get better we um we and then it's kind of the start of a downward cycle In James we read that we should not let a root of bitterness grow up in us, but instead receive with meekness the engrafted word of the Lord God. And so then Simon's response, Simon says, Then answered, Simon said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come unto me. And when they had testified and preached the word to, of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the and uh, um, but I think it's interesting how um, uh, Peter says. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner For thy heart is not right before God Repent therefore of this wickedness And pray God If perhaps the thought of thine heart May be forgiven thee And uh, so he basically is saying That you know you need to pray and repent before God And then Simon says pray for me That this evil that you say to me That you say of me doesn't come upon me and I, I'm reminded of the story of Saul if you look at the kingdoms of both David and Saul you see that they had very similar iniquities before God they, they both had times when they went ahead of God and and did the thing that they thought was, was expedient at the moment without insulting God um, David took censuses without God's approval. He stole Bathsheba from Uriah. And then he had Uriah killed. Um, they, they both were rebellious at times. But the difference for them was that David had a personal relationship with God. So that when David went his own way, he always came back to God and said, "God, I need you. I need to be restored to you." He said in Psalm fifty-one when he was confessing his sin with Bathsheba, he said, "Restore to me the joy of my salvation." You you never hear Paul or you never hear Saul talk about his salvation. And as a matter of fact, when Samuel comes to him to lead in the in the sacrifice in the in the uh, in the to leave in the sacrifice and to lead um, the people in glorifying God, Samuel, Samuel turns away and says, The Lord has ripped the kingdom from you. And he is going to walk away from Saul. And Saul says, Come be with me and let me worship. Please worship the Lord your God with me. And then he kind of goes on and says, "The So the people so I don't embarrass myself in front of the people. You know, and that and that was a really key thing, that, that he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of the people. And it was so important, it was much more important for him to not embarrass himself in front of the people than it was to be right with God. And I think that's some of what Peter is getting to with um, Simon the Sorcerer. He's, he's like, you had this life where you were... Um, you are uh, commanded the people's attention, and, and you use sorcery to do that. And now you you have at least given the appearance of turning away. Um, the Bible doesn't explicitly say that he was not a believer. As a matter of fact, it says he believed, and then he followed Philip. So we don't know what the extent was. We kind of assume that that Philip baptized him because because people who believed in people who believed and were baptized. were um, were baptized by Philip. And he didn't have... It doesn't say that he had a check in his spirit about Simon or that he had a reason not to believe that Simon believed, but Simon Peter was given special divine information about Simon the sorcerer. And uh, so then... Peter says this, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So this would indicate that he still had things to deal with at the very least and perhaps was still bound to Satan because he says, I perceive that you're in the bond of iniquity. And so this is something that you really need to deal with. You need to get real with God and this needs to be the proper response. And um, then after that it says, And then when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Have you ever noticed how um, how prominent deserts are in the will of God? Moses was led to the backside of the desert for 40 years of training before he led the children of Israel. And they were in the desert for a large part of that too. So he spent a lot of time in the desert. Paul was sent to the desert to learn from Jesus Christ himself Um as he prepared for his ministry three years in the desert of Arabia Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted of the devil and now we see Philip has this thriving ministry in Samaria people are being saved, people are being baptized they're listening to him and God says Philip I want you to go unto Samaria (coughs) And um, or unto and he gives very specific instructions um, he says arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza which is desert um, and imagine if he had had the attitude of Naaman who said you know I, I can wash in the Jordan which you asked me to do or I can wash in, in the Nile or another river that is cleaner, and imagine if if Philip says, "Hey, I'll I'll go down to Jerusalem. Um, I'll go toward the south, down to Jerusalem, but I don't want to go to the desert. God, there has to be a better way than going to the desert." to to do your will but um, he didn't it says he arose and went how important is it for us to listen to the Lord in that way to arise and go when he says to us to go how important is it for us to do that And behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Was returning and sitting in the chariot and reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now, I want to point out in this section, first of all, he arose and went, as we said. And then we, we hear the credentials of this man of Ethiopia. And I, I think it's important because as much as we read that credentials are not important to God we can still see that people with credentials are important to God. Notice the difference there? His credentials aren't important to God, but people with credentials are important to God. And church tradition tells us that the Coptic Christians of Ethiopia have their origins because this man went and shared the gospel that was shared to him by Philip. So he goes to the desert, and I'm sure he was thinking, I have this thriving ministry, why in the world would I go to the desert? There's nothing in the desert. It's desert for a reason. But the reality is that he goes and he finds this man of Ethiopia, and he had great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure. And he'd come to Jerusalem to worship. So this Ethiopian had, at some point, it seems, converted to Jerusalem, converted to Judaism, and he had most likely gotten permission from his queen to go and and worship. And so he's there, and he's he's returning he's on his way back and he's reading Isaiah the prophet and the spirit said unto Philip go near and join thyself to the chariot and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah now I think it's significant here that Philip ran to him he didn't waste time he heard what God said and he ran to him. A very important thing that he did. And then um, he, he, is, he goes near to the chariot and, and he hears him reading from Isaiah. Now apparently it was pretty common in those days to read out loud. Um, nowadays often people get annoyed if you read out loud but that was pretty common back then to read out loud and he said and Philip ran to him and heard the prophet Isaiah and said understand what you are reading so he's asking him directly he's saying do you understand what it is you're reading and he said how can I accept some man guide me And he desired, Philip, that he would come and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was, He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So, it's quoting the scripture that he was reading. And so the eunuch has, has, dis, has displayed a desire to know what it means. And he uh, reads the um, scripture. Because he said, how can I understand unless someone guide me? And so then the piece of scripture is related again. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom... Speaketh the prophet, this of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Whose example was Philip following? Remember the road to Emmaus? Jesus met the two disciples on the road to Emmaus And he told them all the things concerning himself from the scriptures. And Philip is following this example to share with the Ethiopian eunuch the truth of the gospel. And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You know, there's a lot of discussions we could have, a lot of different theological ways we could go in our discussions. I like a good theological discussion. Sometimes even a good theological debate. I have interesting discussions with my dad often about different theological things. But the most important thing to do is to preach unto others Jesus that's the most important thing to do everything else is secondary if your brother believes that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God he's trusted him for his salvation guess what he's going to be with you at the end of time whether you agree with him on other theological issues or not and fortunately we're all going to get along because there won't be any sin and there will be totally clarity about who was right, because Jesus will be right. I'm reminded of what, what Abraham Lincoln said when he was asked, do you think God is on our side, meaning the union? And he said the most important question isn't whether God is on our side. He said, but whether we are on his And truly, that is the most important question to ask yourself this morning: Is not, am, is the Lord on my side, but am I on His? Remember, Paul. He wanted to go to. He wanted to go to one place, and God shut the door the spirit would not allow them to go to that place. And then he also heard or saw a vision where there was somebody from Macedonia who said come over and help us. So even Paul the great apostle that he was was constrained to do and to go to the place where God told him to go. He couldn't just decide to go somewhere else. He had to go where God said. And imagine if Philip hadn't gone. The Ethiopian eunuch may have been witnessed to by someone else because God works out his ultimate plan but the bottom line is he would not have been there to meet the eun- eunuch traveling through the desert if he had not done exactly what God had said God knew exactly where the eunuch would be and he knew exactly what the eunuch needed we'll see this again when we get to Acts chapter 10 in the life of Cornelius Because Cornelius was known as a devout man, a righteous man. He gave alms and he honored the Lord's people. He may have even been a Jewish convert himself. But he didn't know the end of the story, which was that Jesus was risen. And when Peter came in and told Cornelius that Jesus was the Christ and that he rose again from the dead... Cornelius fell on his knees before God and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, because of that, I now know that God is not a respecter of persons. And don't we need that message today in our culture? God doesn't care what color you are. He doesn't care about your economic background All he cares is that you come to him. He says, whosoever shall come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, you are in bondage to your father the devil, but if you come to me, you will be free. If the Son, therefore, shall set you free, you will be free indeed. That's the promise of Almighty God. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now this convicts me whenever I read it, because you don't see Philip say, well, maybe you should go to a baptism class. We happen to have a four-week one starting up tomorrow. So go to your four-week baptism class, then come back to me, and we'll talk about you getting baptized. Because see, it wasn't Philip's responsibility to get the eunuch saved, was it? If the eunuch went into the waters of baptism and came up a wet sinner, unchanged, that was between God and the eunuch. I wonder how many of us would be willing to baptize someone who we shared the gospel with and they received the gospel with gladness. Would we be willing to baptize them that day? It's definitely something I've thought a lot about because you don't see any hesitation on Philip's part. He simply says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. So often we think that we, and I know that the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. So it's not to say there's never any testing, but so often we, we, have, we have this attitude that people have to prove how Christian they are before we'll accept them in the beloved, the Bible never says that that's our responsibility. Paul said to the to the Philippian jailer, simple words. He saw what happened with the earthquake. And he simply asked this question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul didn't say, go do good works. Go spend three weeks on a pilgrimage and then come back to me and we'll talk. No, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's the message that we need to be preaching. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be it. Verse 36 again, and as they went their way, as they went on their way, They came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as I said, there's no hesitation between verse 37 and 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. I don't know about you, but I might have been a little scared if Philip was there and then he wasn't there. But it says that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Asterisk, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to to Caesarea. Now, I don't know how far apart these two destinations were, but I love the fact that it says here that Philip was just taken and then he was found. Like, it seemed like there was no time in the journey, sort of like when Jesus stepped into the boat and ended up on the shore. As miraculous as it was for the the waves to calm instantly, uh, wasn't it even more miraculous? To open your eyes and realize that you are immediately on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But Philip was bound at Asherah's and passing through he preached in all the cities. Till he came to Caesarea. So he didn't stop preaching. He continued to preach. Paul would say to Timothy, Preach in season and out of season. Preach always. I I truly want it to be said of me that that Jesus pours out of me. And I know there are times when it doesn't happen, but I, I pray by His grace that I will always be that testimony for Jesus, even if people get annoyed by it. Because you know what? People have to make their own decision about Jesus, but I will always tell them what decision is available to them. Some people won't believe. There were even places where Jesus performed no miracles, as I said, because their hearts were far from him. I I think about that in the context of who Jesus appeared to after his resurrection too because I often thought it would be cool if Jesus just walked into Pilate's chambers and said, guess what? You tried to kill me, but I'm not dead. Or maybe Caiaphas. But this is the Jesus that said, cast not your pearls before swine. And so he wasn't interested in casting his pearls before swine. Instead, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. The significance of that being, I, I think it's extra significant because a woman being deceived by the devil brought sin into the world. And so a woman was the first one to hear the message of redemption. A woman was the first one to see the guarantee of the satisfaction of the gospel. And then he appeared to his disciples and to 500 at once, which I would like to believe included people like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and Mary, his mother. Because he wanted them to know because he had promised We go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be bound. And after and, and he will be crucified, and after three days he will rise again. He was saying, I keep my promises. Friend, do you know that God keeps his promises? Do you know that his promises are yes and amen? We're living in a time where we have to be responsible. I understand that. But we also have to fight against fear. We have to choose faith over fear. Some people are saying that they're going to stay locked down until there's a a vaccine. For this virus. And it's a choice. If they they need to do that, then they can do that. But there's also something to, to be said for the fact that if you're living in fear, you're not really living. I think of the Apostle Paul with all the shipwrecks he had. The, the the inconveniences he had in his life the whippings that he had that he stayed alive until god said it's time for you to go i believe the passage where he was stoned and left for dead that he may very well have died and god sent him back because he talks about a man whether in the body or out of the body i know not went to the third heaven and he said the things that were experienced were too wonderful for me. I can't relate them. So even though he 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 talked about ex- experiencing those things, he wasn't going to write a bestseller about it, tour the country talking about it. He simply said, I have not seen, nor has he heard what nor has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord has promised to those who love Him. And so, my question to you is, are you trusting the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? Or you do you just believe on the surface? There's a lot of "quote unquote" Christians in America today. It's probably still the most popular religion nationwide. But I I think if you if you talk about if you narrow it down by saying was there a time when you when you bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and acknowledged Him as Lord of your life? that number gets a lot smaller. There's a cost to discipleship. Jesus said, if a man will follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We need people that will do that. We need to lead the way. You know, people are talking about Black Lives Matter and and all these racial issues and racial tensions. But the Bible says in Acts that from one blood He has unified all the nations of the earth. The Bible says that the grace of God which bringeth salvation has appeared to all men and that that it is for all men first the Jew and also to the Greek. So first to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. I'm pretty sure all of us here in this room today are grafted in. And yet we rejoice because in the eyes of God we're all equal. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's no different mountaintops and peaks and Valleys when it comes to the cross there's only one way to the Father and that's through Jesus I am the way the truth and the life he said in John chapter 14 I pray that you embrace that because that is going to determine whether you get to heaven someday it's not going to matter if you're charismatic. It's not going to matter if you're reformed. It's not going to matter if you went to a brother and assembly your whole life. It's not going to matter if you're a Baptist. All that's going to matter is what did you do when Jesus knocked on your on the door of your life and said, "Will you let me in?" What was your answer to that? That is what matters. And then if we are serving the Lord, are we willing to be like Philip? And if he says, go into the desert, or if he puts you in seclusion for a while, like he did with us here with this lockdown, are we going to be willing to do what he says? in the weeks following the lockdown I I only had two um, recorded podcasts so I got to the third week of the lockdown and I had to decide am I going to continue to do a podcast am I going to learn how to do these things at home or am I going to stop doing it for a while and I'm glad that um, God directed me to continue brought me to YouTube and I've learned a lot about editing audio and preparing a professional sounding podcast right from my home. And so that's been an exciting thing that God has brought out of this lockdown. That even from my secluded corner of West Michigan, I'm able to continue to bring the light of Jesus Christ. We sing that um, old children's song. It says, brighten the corner where you are. So I'd encourage you to brighten the corner where you are. But just be prepared if God changes your corner because he always has a plan that's far better and greater than ours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you first of all for your son. I thank you for the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and I praise you that we will meet him in glory it would be very interesting to hear a first hand account of that and uh, just exciting to see how you work in the lives of those who trust you even from the back of a desert Lord I pray for each person here that if they haven't trusted you that they would do so today and if they have that they would be the light that you called them to be whether it be in their home in their job or um In society, as they're trying to talk through some of these current events issues with their friends. Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours and help us to always love the way you love, which is unconditionally and without reservation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.